Welcome to this bite-sized episode of The Payroll Podcast with me, your host, Nick Day. These are short snippets from my main podcast show, which is the go-to source for all things related to payroll. Featuring experts from the world of payroll, these bite-sized episodes are going to share key insights, nuggets of information, tips, and best practices to help you navigate the complex world of payroll. And remember, if you ever need support recruiting talent for your payroll team, please do get in touch with either myself or my team at jgarecruitment.com. For now, sit back, tune in, and let's talk payroll. You mentioned earlier about some of the relationships you might have with finance. Well, I think I brought it up, but it sounds like you've got a good relationship with finance. What are, who are the other kind of internal stakeholders that you would regularly be managing? And what are some of the challenges then? We've talked about the nice side of it. What are some of the challenges you have to face and, and overcome in terms of process and risk and things like that? Certainly different stakeholders will have a view on what their role and responsibility is and what they own and then you'll have different considerations on the confidentiality of the information they're working on and how much information that they might feel they need to share with other parts of the business so certainly I can see that you you might you know with HR and the confidential information that HR are managing then they might feel that the rest of the business don't need to see that information because HR own the people and are responsible for the contract sure. But group legal, for example, will be responsible for the legal structure of wherever that person might be working. And if it's it's a new location or it's a location that is being developed, the actual corporate structure and articles of association might not support you know, the, the people agenda. So you know, the whole interaction and then obviously for finance, how are people being paid? And then we get into the world of when it's international and global payroll, transfer pricing and intercompany agreements. So you might have an employment contract and an international assignment sitting on top, that contract for an individual, but all this key legal and financial sort of implications are also very relevant. So you are, you're often then got to sort of put different hats on for different people you're managing cross-departmental stakeholders all the time i'm gonna put you on a spot a little bit Kerry. but are there any recent examples or any projects where the implementation of of payroll has been particularly challenging and if they have been are you able to expand on why perhaps it was challenging and maybe what you did to overcome some of the obstacles if there are any examples you can think of yeah, yeah. So actually, if I step back into my previous role at um, V Group or V Ship, so they're a global ship management company. So my role, not only to, for land-based employees and, and, and sort of a global expatriates, also for seafarers working on ships and vessels. And actually, so for example, if you're looking at an oil tanker that's based in location, even though it's offshore from the land, the ship becomes a permanent establishment, or it can do. Uh, so, so the location of work and the crew could trigger the requirement to pay local income tax and social security that requires a local payroll. So certainly in my previous company, we would have ships working around the coast of Africa and that company wouldn't have a corporate structure in Nigeria, for example. So how do you do it? And um, what is a commercial risk and what is a legal risk? What, what is a company prepared to accept? Either ignore the seafarers are on a ship, don't run the payroll, 
But to get the seafarer on the ship, they needed a visa to land in country and to be then moved across onto the ship. So the, the complexity of being in a location where you don't have that corporate structure, but you want to be morally and legally compliant on a payroll in a situation that is almost impossible. So, so those challenges are very real to me in that role. And that's where I would look at how you can partner with local companies. Do you look at a joint venture from a corporate structure? Or do you then work with an organisation that can become the employer of record in that location? And then you're looking at risk. Who owns the individual? Who owns the payroll? Who funds the payroll on the timing of the payroll? So that, sorry, I'm talking a lot. That gets quite complex. It sounds complex, but yeah. <laughs> but that's partly what I enjoy is to look at that problem and to start with think, gosh, that's that's impossible, and then step back and go, oh, hang on a moment. It might not be impossible. Who would we need to work with and how would we need to look at that? And then start to put together the business case and, and usually a, a board pay for, for the board of directors to then consider what that business case and proposal looks like, what the cost is, and what potentially the risks are in the different elements, as, you, as we've said. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great example because, you know, recently we've all suddenly become a little bit more aware of the complexities of seafarers, right, with the recent uh, P&O situation. Yeah. So, you know, these are things that perhaps many of us hadn't thought about either from an HR perspective, an employment right perspective, on, on that particular example. I hope you enjoyed today's bite-sized edition of the Payroll Podcast. Remember to subscribe to the show, share it with your payroll colleagues and friends, and why not also check out some of our previous episodes for more golden nuggets of payroll information that you never know. They may just help you along in your own payroll journey. But for now, I'm Nick Day, and you've been listening to the Payroll Podcast Bite-Sized. 